Hey guys, it's Simi and this is Wrestling Unlimited as we are here on the 5th of December, September, almost said December, 5th of September 2021 to talk about everything that went down tonight on AEW All or Nothing. No, what the hell am I talking about? All Out, not All or Nothing, AEW All Out. I'm still reeling from how this show ended because this was weird. This was a very weird show. For the most part, it was really, really good. A lot of great wrestling, weird decisions in booking, and the crowd telling us we don't care about a couple of guys, mainly one guy, Christian Cage. But we'll get into all that. I'll give you all my thoughts and opinions, and I also want to hear from you guys, not just in text message form. But we're going to take your calls. Yes, you heard me right. I'm going to take your calls, guys. I'm going to take your calls. At the end of the review, the number is right there in the in the thing, but it'll pop up again. It is 510-906-1341. Once we get through the review, I will take your calls, and we'll talk about this show. We'll talk about everything that went down from the three big debuts, well, the three debuts, the, the return match of CM Punk, and how that went, and all in all, a really good show. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and Twitter.com forward slash PW Unlimited. Remember, if you are watching on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out in the live chat by donating Twitch bits or hit that donate button down below. Also, remember on Twitch, you can subscribe to the channel one of two different ways. Subscribing is pretty simple. You can either do a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because if you're already paying for Amazon Prime, you link it to your Twitch account, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. You can subscribe to us because you don't only get free games. You don't only get free stuff for games, but you also, you also get, well, one free subscription to any Twitch channel. We'd greatly appreciate it if you used it on us here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. But if you say, I don't pay. For Amazon Prime, well, you got to know somebody that does, like your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your fiance, the guy that bagged your groceries at the Safeway, the girl that gave you your fries at McDonald's. Say, hey, do you have Amazon Prime? Yeah. Can I link it to my Twitch? Yeah. I'm going to subscribe to PWO Unlimited. But on the flip side, if you're watching over on YouTube, you can help us out a couple of different ways with a super chat or a super sticker donation, just like Greg Bryson. Really do appreciate that guy. Super chats, the super stickers, the donations, the bits, all of that helps us keep going here at Posting Unlimited. And they're very, very appreciated. I just want to say that. And remember, you can also subscribe to the channel as a channel member by hitting that join button down below. All you got to do subscribe and you get early access to news early access to podcasts early access to non-news videos and so much more plus you can get all of that by subscribing pro wrestling unlimited pro wrestling unlimited on patreon patreon.com forward slash pw unlimited but with that it looks like the chat crapped out for me hold on it's frozen it looks like let me refresh my youtube really fast double check this all right we're good we're good we're good we're good. Also, remember, top of the chat, Twitch and YouTube, hit up that poll and let me know what you thought about tonight's show. But with that, we've got this show to talk about, this dang show. And trust me, 
I may have a couple, maybe maybe one at least. Well, I know one at least unpopular opinion. I'm going I'm to talk about a match that I thought they booked bad. And you guys can agree or disagree with me. I don't care. First off, we had the buy-in. Where basically the buy-in is just, hey, did you watch their, their Road 2 show on TNT? No? Well, you can watch it here, plus we'll give you a match. I really wish, and I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't like doing this, but I really wish they would be more like WWE when it comes to their kickoff shows, their buy-ins, their pre-shows. Tony Khan always said, Tony Khan and Cody were always like, we're going to focus more on sport, less on sports entertainment. Well, really, you're just entertainment on your pre-shows because it's just a big old documentary previewing what we're about to watch. I really think they need to get somebody to do actual pre-shows, like in sports, like WWE does with their pre-shows. If you want your show to feel more like a sports product, then you need to have an actual pre-show where you've got people in a panel and they're talking about what we're going to see. And yeah, you can throw in. You can throw in the video packages, but you don't need to just re-air the same thing we already watched earlier in the week or two days before or whatever. So I think that's something that AEW needs to utilize is better pre-shows. But as far as the pre-show does go, we did have, and my glasses are all fogged up, we did have a 10-man tag team match. It was the Hardy Family Office against Jurassic Express and the Best Friends. And this was a really fun, good way to get the crowd hyped up for what we were about to see. Hardy and Taylor started it out, but Hardy wanted Orange. Yuta tagged in, and Hardy wasn't having it, so Orange tagged in. Luchasaurus tagged himself in at one point, and Hardy tagged out to Evans, who immediately, who immediately was taken out with a slam and a German. German suplex, that is. Jungle Boy then tagged in, covered for a two. Jungle Boy hit a step-up arm drag followed by a drop kick, pausing to take in the admiration of the crowd. Yuta and Cassidy tagged in. Different times, though. No. Yeah, Yuta and Cassidy. Yuta and uh, Isaiah Cassidy, a private party. And the latter worked together with his private party partner to double-team Yuta. At one point, Hardy distracted Luchasaurus, allowing private party to chop him down and send him into the ring post. Orange Cassidy walked up and hit weak kicks on all three before sending Hardy to the floor. Private Party hit a, a double-team move, almost a standing shooting star into a senton on Orange, but Taylor came in, took everybody out. At one point, Yuta and Taylor hit stereo planchas on Private Party on the floor. Jungle Boy fought off both of Private Party and hit a sheer drop brain buster on Cassidy. Jungle Boy and Evans hopped on their respective partner's shoulders, and Jungle Boy got the better of the exchange. Cassidy tried a crossbody on Jungle Boy, or no, yeah, Cassidy tried to crossbody Jungle Boy off Luchasaurus' shoulders, but Jungle Boy turned it into a power slam, and oh, I've got a hair on my glasses. That's what's bugging me. Okay, hold on. Give me a second, guys. There we go. Now I can see. I had a hair going right over my glasses here. Weird. The blade then gets involved, and I'm like, oh, Typical AEW, you got to have somebody get involved that's not actually in the match. He tried to distract Jungle Boy, but Marco Stunt got involved. He jumped on Luchasaurus' shoulders. This was a cool-looking move because it looked like he's... The way they, they filmed this, 
camera was up like this. And he looked like Marco jumped about 12 feet down off of Luchasaurus' shoulders onto the blade. And, yeah, the blade gets taken out. Jungle Boy then locked on the snare trap on Angelico, and he taps out. After the match, the Butcher would make his big return. Apparently, he's been dealing with a thumb issue. He would attack Orange Cassidy, hit him with the powerbomb. Then they tried to cut Orange Cassidy's hair. But then about half of the babyface locker room ran down, including the Varsity Blondes, Dark Order, and Top Flight. And the Hardy family office ran off. Standing, this isn't over. We're not done with you, Orange Cassidy. And I go, this is no. I'm I I am over this. I don't I don't like this at all. But all of a sudden we hear some yelling. And it's Dan Lambert at the very top of the building. He's with the men of the year. He's with Jorge Masvidal. He's with Junior Dos Santos and Andre Arlovsky. He's in one of the press boxes, and he B-rated the fans. Ethan Page then said that he and Sky have the gift to gab, and everyone loves to hear him. No, he goes, we're great dressers, and everyone knows it. And Sky goes, they got eyes. He goes, we also got the gift to gab, and people love to hear us talk. And Sky yells, they got ears. And I'm like, what? He then said that they are extremely dangerous men. Sky then said that they have to take it to the next level with their friends, American top team. Lambert then said, everyone here is just waiting for his instruction on who's asked to kick and win. And I go, hmm. This was cool for like a week or two. You bring the guy in, he takes the powerbomb from Lance Archer, and there you go. But now it's, eh. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I think, I, I just don't know if Jorge Masvidal and Arlovsky and, and Junior Santos are actually going to do anything. They've just been guys standing around, and that's where I'm skeptical on this. We go to the main card. Well, actually, right as the pre-show ends, Justin Roberts says, bringing out Jim Ross. Jim Ross gets the big ovation, joins commentary, and we move to the main card. Also, I don't know how many of you did, but remember, AEW pay-per-view, now on Fight TV in the United States. I don't know how many of you watched it on Fight TV. I surely did. But it is now on Fight TV in the United States, so that's really cool. We opened up the main card with a 13. Actually, hold on. Well, how, much, how long was the pre-show match? I didn't get a time for that one, no. 13 and a half minute match. It was Miro and Eddie Kingston. And this was a, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to beat the crap out of each other. But we're going to do it in a very entertaining way. That doesn't just seem like two guys just brawling. There was thought put into this match. Trust me, you could tell. There was thought put into this match. So Miro, bull rushed at the start, and they both went for their respective finishers early, forcing Miro to roll to the floor. Back in the ring, Kingston poked Miro's eye and landed a machine gun chop in the corner. Multiple machine gun chops. Miro nearly fought out, but Kingston... Turn the momentum into the Exploder Suplex, forcing Miro to roll to the floor again. Miro baited him and threw Kingston into the barricade. Kingston came back with a boot to the face. And this match right here started really ramping up with the energy. Like, like it started off good, but then it just started getting really good and physical from here. Kingston ran the apron, looking perhaps a cannonball senton, but Miro caught it and turned it into a power slam on the floor. I like that move. Miro repeatedly set Kingston back first into the ring post. 
and then back into the ring. Miro went for the cover, but Kingston kicked out at one. One. Miro turned the target to his, uh, uh, the target of his attack towards Kingston's hands in an attempt to limit the grip strength so he couldn't hit a DDT. There was an extended beatdown spot at the hands of Miro here. Kingston fired back with slaps, single forearm shot, and Miro sent him to the mat. Kingston landed chops and went for the backdrop suplex, but Miro easily fought out of this. So Miro's got the advantage. Miro's basically whooping his ass, but then Kingston would have like what they call brights of brilliance. He would fight back and fight back and fight back. <clears throat> Miro one time basked in his own glory, basically, allowing Kingston to avoid a corner attack and an enziguri, and hit an enziguri because, well, Miro kind of Played up to the crowd a little too long. Shoulder tackle sent Miro back to the floor. Kingston then hit a dive, but Miro cut it off with the right hand. Upon re-entry back into the ring, Kingston caught Miro with a Saito suplex. He couldn't follow it up, though, and however, and Miro landed in some strikes. It traded right hands in the center of the ring until Kingston hit two straight backdrop suplexes and got a very close near fall. Miro again rolled to the outside to avoid a spinning back fist. Kingston at one point Made it to his feet. Um, where my notes just froze. Give me one second, guys. Oh, Kingston avoided a bicycle kick and hit a fisherman suplex bridge. Miro attacked Kingston in the corner and followed this up with the forearm, a former Machka kick to the section. He doesn't call it the Machka kick anymore. It's basically the same move. He then called for the game over and locked it on. Kingston made it just a couple feet from the ropes and was eventually forced uh, to break before Miro could fall back and lock it in fully. Kingston hit the desperation DDT, but the official was putting the turnbuckle pad back on the top rope after it was pulled off earlier, leading to him jumping over and starting the count late. And this was one of two times where they made their referees look stupid. Actually, it happened twice in this match, so one of three times. Usually... We see the turnbuckle get pulled off. The referee says, hey, don't do that. Don't fight in that corner. And sometimes they'll go put it back on, but they don't take their time like this referee was here. I can't remember exactly who the referee was. You guys can let me know in the comments or the live chat. He's taking his time putting the back on, you know, trying to do it, and it doesn't even go on. So then all of a sudden the, the crowd starts going, one, two, and the ref goes, wait, why are they counting? Oh, my God, I need to get over there. One, Two, Miro kicks out. And I'm like, Tony Khan likes to book his referees as incompetent idiots. So they're going back and forth for about 60 more seconds. And it looks like they're about to fight in the corner. So the referee runs over and goes, no, 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 no. Don't fight in this corner. The pad is off. And so Miro is kind of like, the ref's in the corner. Miro's looking at him like this. Eddie Kingston's behind Miro. Miro donkey kinks Eddie Kingston right in the nuts. Eddie falls down. Miro picks up the victory. Bicycle kick, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Didn't like that finish. I thought the match itself was phenomenal. I thought these two, give me this match again with a different finish. I thought these two were so good that I would watch this rematch next week on Rampage. But it was just the finish itself made the referee look stupid because he, you can see for that brief stint that you see the ref trying to put the thing back on, he was taking his time. 
and then it didn't even go on. It fell off the, the turnbuckle pad. So that, and that wasn't the only time refs, refs looked dumb tonight because they made Aubrey look stupid as well. So next up, we had a 12-minute match or so with John Moxley and Satoshi Kojima. Better than I was expecting. I'll say that for sure. This was better than I was expecting. I mean, I wasn't expecting a bad match or anything, but this match delivered. I will say that this match delivered. So Kojima wanted a handshake early, but Moxley flipped him off. Also, also, if you guys haven't heard of the news, Moxley is the brand new GCW World Champion. Moxley came down repping that company on his on his hoodie, GCW hoodie. GCW hoodie. So yeah. I like I thought that was really cool that they let him wear the GCW hoodie, which it's AEW. They're gonna let these guys do whatever they want because Tony Khan doesn't want to upset anybody. Anyways. Anyways. Comes down, he flips off Kojima, and they immediately start trading chops. Kojima knocked down Moxley with a shoulder tackle and flexed his pecs. He went for the cozy lariat, but Moxley rolled to the floor to avoid it. So Kojima kept up the attacks with a plancha. He rolled Moxley back into the ring, but Moxley caught him upon reentry with a tope suicida. Back in the ring, Moxley attacked the taped-up hand of Kojima with stomps. He laid in some knees and hit big-time uh, big, big corner chops. Kojima turned this around and hit the machine gun chops in the corner of his own. He followed this up with a running elbow and a Bukiaro elbow for a two. At one point, there was a cozy cutter that was countered into a rear naked choke attempt. Moxley turned it into a release suplex for a two. Kojima kicked out, and Moxley immediately turned into an armbar, forcing Kojima to maneuver towards the ropes to force the break. Kojima countered a paradigm shift and hit a brain buster. Kojima then called for the lariat, and Moxley reversed into a German suplex. He laid in repeated lariats of his own before, before being forced to hit a running knee strike. Kojima turned a paradigm shift into a left-arm lariat and a cozy cutter, which led to a double-down spot. Exchanged forearms here for a little while in the middle of the ring until Moxley ran into a rolling elbow and rebounded. He hit a clothesline and got a two off of it. Moxley locked on a bulldog choke, but Kojima reached the ropes to break the hold. Kojima then caught a kick and hit mulligan chops. Moxley then hit a headbutt, avoided a lariat, and hit a paradigm shift. He then grabbed him, hit a second paradigm shift, and picked up the victory. Moxley, of course, does defeat Kojima, as everybody expected. Moxley's in the ring, and he's looking around. He's like, yeah, this is cool. And then all of a sudden, Kaze Niner plays. Yeah, Kaze Niner plays. And out comes none other then Minoru Suzuki. I lost my shit. Because I go, oh my god, we're getting Suzuki Moxley. When? I don't know. But yes, please. Crowd's chatting, holy shit. Crowd's going nuts. Moxley's elbow, I forgot to mention, got fucked up in this match. And he's got blood all down his arm. All down his arm. Blood all down his arm. Suzuki gets in the ring. Takes off his jacket. Throws it down. Crowd goes wild. Throws an elbow at Moxley. Moxley throws an elbow back, and the blood splashes all around the neck of of um, Suzuki. They trade forearm after forearm after forearm. Suzuki boots Moxley. Suzuki shrugs off a lariat and locks on a rear naked choke, allowing him to hit the gotch-style pile driver and leaves Moxley laying. Yes, he left 
Moxley laying. It was announced towards the end of the show. These two will do battle not on like the next pay-per-view, not on some special GCW show or whatever, not on New Japan Strong. No. This coming Wednesday in Moxley's hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio on Dynamite. Suzuki versus Moxley this Wednesday on free TV. Each popcorn ready, folks. This one's about to be a Jim Russell call a barn burner. This one is going to be fucking great. So next up, we had the AEW Women's World Championship on the line. It was Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, against everyone's favorite alien, Chris Statlander. Match went about, uh, what did I write it down here? 11, just shy of 11 and a half minutes. I thought this match was good, but it was, in my opinion, and you guys don't have to agree with me, one of the weaker matches on the night. So, they performed chain wrestling early on, and Statlander went for the spider crab, but Baker had it scouted. Baker called for DMD from the crowd, but Statlander made her a boop herself instead. Statlander climbed the ropes. But Baker turned it into a draping neckbreaker. Baker then set Statlander to the floor and hit repeated stomps. Back in the ring, Baker kept up the attack until Statlander sent Baker into the corner. She hit a running knee, but Baker came back with a sling blade. Statlander kind of avoided a curb stomp attempt and hit an inside hook, uh, inside hook falcon arrow for a two. Baker hit a nice cradle had a nice cradle sequence, followed by a spike DDT for a two. Rebel gave Baker the glove as he was going to go for the lockjaw, but Statlander basically had it countered or scouted, and she caught her with a kick and a high angle kick at that. Baker countered the Big Bang Theory, though, into a cradle for a two. She then flatlined Statlander into the turnbuckle pad. Spot on the top rope with Statlander having to essentially deadlift Baker over her head for a superplex. Statlander went back to the top. But Baker rolled away as she went for the area 451. She then went for the lockjaw. Statlander fought out and hit an electric chair face buster, followed by a scissor kick for a two. Towards the end of the match, Baker climbed the ropes and hit a diving destroyer. They called it the Pittsburgh Sunrise, which is basically Adam Cole's Panama Sunrise. Foreshadowing. Followed this up with the curb stomp, got a near fall off of it, locked on the lockjaw. Bada bing, bada boom, Baker picks up the victory. Britt Baker retains the AEW Women's World Championship. Cool. In the back, Andrade and Chavo are interviewed about Pac and his travel issues and all that. And they're like, you know, we know you have messed with Pac's travel before. Was this all your guys is doing? And Andrade's like, oh, no, that wasn't me. He looks at his assistant. Was it you? Chavo, was it you? And Chavo goes, huh, what? What are you talking about? I, 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 what? Did we who? And basically you realize, oh, yeah, they fucked with Pac. So I don't know why this match needed to be taking off, taken off tonight. I have no clue. But the travel issues, that that reasoning, bullshit. I was told that Thursday it's a bullshit reasoning. And that no one really knows exactly what the real reason is. But it's not travel issues. Because if it was travel issues, say there was an issue where they wouldn't let Pac fly from the UK to the to America. 
Because apparently they're trying to put that restriction on again. If that was the issue, then how would he be able to show up Wednesday but not tonight? Which in turn, you would think he'd have to show up Tuesday, be there a day early. They ain't going to fly him in from another country day of and hope he makes it. So he's going to come in the day early most likely. And so it's like, what's the difference of him getting in Saturday or even today and the middle of the week? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what the real reason is. But again, I call bullshit on travel issues. Going forward, we had the best match of the night. And I got some things to say about this match. Good and bad, but more good. And actually, they kind of turned me. So... I don't know who these guys were, but there were some rappers and they performed the Lucha Bros theme when they came out. I guess one may have been Mike. I think his name's Mike Ruckus, the guy that's a lot of the music for AEW. I don't know who the other performer is. Don Callis joined commentary as this match got underway. And this match. So I've always crapped on Young Bucks Lucha Bros matches for being all about spot. Spot, spot, planned out spot, leading to the next planned out spot, leading to the next planned out spot, and it's too, too planned out, and they do the whole, and they did some of that tonight. They do the whole, oh, well, I'm going to do this move while you do that move, and we're going to watch each other, and we're going to do them at the same time, and we're going to this and that, and they did a couple of those tonight, which I didn't like. I've never gonna, I'm never going to like that, but as far as Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks, I actually really loved, loved this match. And I don't know if I've ever said that about a Lucha Bros Young Bucks match before, that I loved it. I've always said that they're great, and I liked them a lot, but I don't think I've ever said I loved it like I do for this one. So, they've turned me. They've turned me. As far as saying, yeah, they had a lot of those pre-planned, you can see them coming, oh, I don't like the way they set that up in spots. Like there was one where I think it was... We'll get to it when we get to it. But there was a spot with Pentagon and Matt Jackson both doing moves, and they waited for each other to be set up. They then looked at each other, and both went, Miedo, Miedo, and then did the move. Like, it's so stupid. No, you don't do a move while your opponent or your partner's getting attacked. You just drop the other guy and say, Screw you, Nick Jackson. I'm going to go hit your brother so my, my brother doesn't get hit. I hate those kinds of spots. They didn't do many in this match. This was... Phenomenal. One of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. The best tag team steel cage match I've ever seen. I will say that for sure. And these two teams teed off right away. The Bucks immediately try to escape and they're thrusted into the into the steel. They come crashing down. Both teams use uh dose dos and little rope of dopes before the Lucha Brothers hit stereo and Zaguri's. Nick was sent into the cage before Penta hit a thrust kick on Matt. Phoenix hit a step-up Hurricane Rana on Nick, followed by a diving kick to the posterior of Matt Jackson for a two. The Lucha Bros reportedly, or repeatedly, I mean, set up the Bucks into sent the Bucks into the cage. They hit stereo spears into the cage at one point, and the Bucks avoided the follow-up, though, with them crashing the Lucha Bros, that is, into the cage. They then hit a double-team Kamigure. Kamagoye on Phoenix, followed by a backstabber on Penta. Matt powerbombed Phoenix into the cage as Nick landed a hard soccer kick on Penta. Matt produced a chain. Not really sure where he got it from. He just had the chain all of a sudden. And he started choking Phoenix with it. 
He went for another powerbomb into the cage, but Phoenix Hurricane wanted him out of it before Penta hit a sling blade followed by a backstabber for a two. Phoenix then landed a step-up springboard arm drag, rebounding off the cage, but the Bucks avoided serial thrust kicks, and all four took out, uh, all four were took out by cutters and stuff. Cool. They're all it's basically a four-way down spot. They're all down. They're all down. Finally, Phoenix hits a double cutter on both Bucks. Penta then hits the Made in Japan for a two. The Lucha Bros went for the Fear Factor double double stomp combination, but the Bucks countered it. Nick hit a German on the off the apron or on the apron. You can't really go off the apron with these cages. That's the other thing. Weird, weird way they do their cage. But no, no, no void, no point. Anyways, Matt locked on a sharpshooter on Penta, and Nick hit a draping sent on Atomico for a two. Phoenix tried to make a comeback, but a springboard attempt was met by stereo super kicks. The Bucks hit an indie taker into a senton, leading to a double cover. But both Lucha Bros kicked out at two. They set it for a BTE trigger, but Phoenix rolled out of the way and went for a springboard crossbody. The Bucks caught him, and Phoenix fought out. The Bucks had enough, so Matt just low-blowed both guys because it's a cage match, no disqualification. Going forward, there was a more bang for your buck that got a two. Bucks ripped at the mass of the Lucha Brothers. They lawn-darted Phoenix face-first to the cage. Brandon Cutler then came out and tossed a bag into the cage. So it's like, yeah, the cage is supposed to be meant to keep the elite out, but it was like Cutler still gave him shit. So it's like, what the hell? Inside was a shoe covered in thumbtacks. And Penta, at this point, was a stuffed pig. He was bleeding like crazy. Not sure exactly where the blood, like what spot busted Penta open so bad, but he was bleeding pretty bad. Nick Jackson was bleeding a little as well. So Matt set up Phoenix for the thumbtack boot, but Penta got in the way and took the bullet himself. The Bucks then sent Penta face first into the boot. Penta was pouring blood at this point. The Bucks then set up for a BTE trigger, but first opted to superkick Phoenix with a thumbtack boot. They hit the BTE trigger on Penta, but Phoenix broke up the cover at the last moment for an awesome, awesome, awesome last second near fall. Phoenix was bleeding here as well. Phoenix kicked his way out of a double team and made a one-man cover with a Hurricane Rana, a one-man comeback with a Hurricane Rana and a corkscrew kick. At one point, Phoenix then hit the Blackfire driver on Matt for a great near fall. All four men were hobbling around at this point. We had a four-way chop exchange followed by a line of super kicks where it was like, you get super kicked and then you get super kicked and then you get super kicked like super kick into a super kick. And I'm like, eh, that's one of those spots I'm not not that big of a fan of. Super kick somebody, and then they have just enough mustard to get a super kick up, and then they have just enough mustard to get a super kick up, and yeah, whatever. Well, Matt was the last one standing, and the others all kipped up, hitting more super kicks, and leading to everybody down. Nick and Phoenix had an exchange where Phoenix won with a rebound super kick. The Lucha Brothers hit the Fear Factor double stomp combination, but Matt broke up the pin at the very last second for another, another fantastic near fall. The Lucha Bros then called an audible, and Phoenix scaled the cage. The Lucha Bros went for their super finish, but Nick Jackson super kicked Penta before Phoenix could dive. Nick scaled the cage, but Phoenix kicked him down to the mat 
and he landed an insane high crossbody off the top of the steel cage to the three guys below. Lucha Brothers and hit their assisted pile driver to pick up the win and become the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. And this match, this match was so good. So good. Like, there was one spot I forgot to mention in here. I must have glossed over it. I didn't write it down. I think it was they both went for a Canadian Destroyer. It was Nick G- It was Penta on Nick and Matt on Phoenix. And they look at each other. They're on the apron. They go, oh, Sierra, Mieto. And then they both do the Canadian Destroyer thing or whatever it is. And I'm like, I hate those moves where it's like, no, don't don't watch your brother get get attacked while you're attacking the other brother just because you want to hit your move and you guys want to do them at the same time and get a pop. No, you say, screw you. I'm going to run over. I'm going to help my brother and then I'll, I'll attack. So whatever. After the match, the Lucha Brothers celebrated. Their family was at ringside. Phoenix hugged his daughter and I think maybe his wife. Great moment here. I loved it. This match rocked. Greatest in my opinion. In my opinion, greatest. Steel Cage tag team match of all time, at least in the United States. Next up, we had the AEW Women's Casino Battle Royale. Match went just right around 22 minutes. To be honest, most of this match was a struggle. Because it's just like when you watch any Battle Royal or Royal Rumble or whatever. There's too much going on to really follow. And then eventually you got the people in the match. Like you get the people you care about. And then once they're out. Or they're not in yet. And you just got the randos and the random people. And no offense calling people randos. But you have the randos that nobody cares about. And it's like, eh. I'll wait till I hear some music of who I like. But at the same time, it's like... Mm, I don't know. This match was alright. It got good at the end. Early on, we had... Well, first off, we had the clubs. Karushida, Guy Blue, Emi Sakura... The bunny and Abaddon. So Shida and Sakura immediately started going after each other. You know, the student and the teacher, where they were scared by Abaddon. Sky attacked the bunny, but was met from behind by Abaddon. Abaddon eliminated Sky right away, like 30, 45 seconds into this match, maybe 60 seconds into this match. The bunny then took the advantage and eliminated Abaddon pretty quick as well. Sakura locks Shida in a Romero special. The bunny racked her boot across uh, Sakura's eyes. Neither woman could establish an advantage. And then out came the Diamonds. Anna Jay, Kira Hogan, Kylan King, Diamante, and Nyla Rose. Anna Jay beeline for that bunny. She went straight for the bunny. Kira Hogan lasted maybe 30 seconds before she was dumped out of the ring. And they made Nyla look strong. So Nyla's over here beating people up, beating people down, throwing people out and whatnot. Not too many, but she was throwing people out. I think she she uh, clotheslined Kylan King out pretty quickly. Then dumped Sheeta over the top rope. Rose, Bunny, Jay, Diamante were the only four left in the ring when the Hearts came out. The Hearts were Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford, Riho, Jamie Hayter, and Big Swole. Swole got a good reaction. They did the whole, ooh, ooh, Swole, ooh, ooh, Swole. Riho hit a double tiger faint kick on Bunny and Ford, but then somehow just randomly got eliminated. The commentary is just like, well, um, was Riho just eliminated? I thought she went through the ropes. Maybe she went over the ropes. We don't know. Again, it happens in these kinds of matches. There's so much going on, you can't follow everything. 
Vicky Guerrero was screeching at ringside at this point when Swole eliminated Diamante, but was in turn eliminated by Jamie Hayter. Finally, the Spades would make their way out. Ty Conti, Red Velvet, Layla Hurst, Jade Cargill, and Rebel. Conti used some acrobatics to score the advantage and avoid elimination. And freaking Layla Hurst runs in, and she just starts German suplexing everybody. And she even German suplexed freaking... This is a sight to be seen. Nyla Rose, because Nyla Rose is legit like what? 5'6", 250 pounds at least, if not bigger. And Layla Hirsch is 4'11 at that. Runs up behind Nyla, grabs her, pulls, nothing happens. Pulls, nothing happened. Pulls, boom. German suplex. Nyla Rose. I liked it. I liked it. Made her look strong, but eliminated her pretty quickly as she's the small one, so Cargill couldn't just press her up, walk over to the ropes, throw her on a bunch of people at ringside. Well, before it was eliminated right around this time as well, so it was Anna Jay and the Bunny. It was time for the Joker, and everyone's counting down. And apparently there was some Tessa Blanchard chant in this match as well. I think they were chanting, hold on, I have a tweet. Some, I was like, what the hell are they chanting right now? And I didn't know. They were chanting, I have the tweet right here, because someone responded to my tweet when I said, what the hell are they chanting? I couldn't tell. The crowd was chanting, half the crowd was chanting, we want Tessa. The other crowd was chanting, no, we don't. We want Tessa. No, we don't. And we're sitting here, and they're counting down in five, four, three, two, one. We hear it, and the music plays, and it's Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho, Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho, and fucking Ruby gets a CM Punk level reaction from this crowd when her music hits, when they know it's her, and then she walks out on that stage, this crowd loses their shit, you would have thought this was the first night CM Punk showed up on Rampage, and Twitter goes crazy. In a good way, support for her. You've got people in WWE. You've got people in Impact. You've got people in all different wrestling companies. It's they're they're all kind of basically saying the same thing. It's great to see when great things happen to a great person. I think Kevin Owens was the best. It's good to see when good things happen to a good person. But in this case, it's happening to a great person. I loved that line from Kevin Owens. We all other people hashtag Ruby Soho from Live More again. We saw. Just a bunch of different wrestlers showing support for Ruby, saying that she's getting her moment. She's finally getting that reaction she's always deserved. And I, I agreed that the former Ruby Riot, the former Heidi Lovelace, now Ruby Soho, who is officially all elite, they had tweeted that out, is a fantastic performer. One of the best women in the world right now. From an in-the-ring standpoint. We haven't really heard her especially in WWE, cut many promos. We saw her do like backstage things with the Riot Squad and stuff. She was always good there. But now I hope AEW gives her more of a platform where she can speak and do her thing and this and that. And I think she's going to thrive. She came out, huge reaction. She went straight after Jade Cargill. Rosa had a step up her Rana with an assist with an assist from Soho. Cargill took out Soho with an inside-out suplex and then eliminated Jamie Hayter. 
Conti and Ford had an exchange as Cargill eliminated Red Velvet. Cargill celebrated but was eliminated by Rose. Conti eliminated Ford but was immediately eliminated by Nyla Rose. The final three came down to Ruby, Nyla, and Thunder Rosa. Two smaller wrestlers teamed up on the bigger girl, and they eliminated her. So it was just Ruby Soho and Thunder Rosa, and I go, oh, give me this, just give me this match. Just make it a singles match. I, I would like, and this is something TNA has done. I think it was TNA that did this. They do their battle royals, but when it come down to the final two, it would turn into a match, pinfall submission. It wouldn't be a eliminate over the top rope anymore. Once it comes down to the final two, it's a match. Usually it would go an extra four or five minutes, not long or anything, but it's like a, oh, we just saw that, and that was good. Now we can't wait till we see the actual match. But I thought these two worked really well together. They were hitting big chops early on once it was just them, and they exchanged running elbows. Soho countered a Fire Thunder driver and sent Rosa to the apron. Rosa brought Soho to the apron, where Soho was hanging by her hand. AEW does this too much. When it's come down to the final two, they fight too much on the apron. It's like Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. They were fighting on the apron before Lance Archer won. And it's almost every battle royal they do. The final two are on the apron, on the apron. Anyways, Soho blocked a pump kick and hit a knee strike. Soho tried to suplex Rosa to the floor, but then Rosa went for the Death Valley driver. Soho fought out and sent Rosa into the turnbuckle. Agamagiri followed this up by Ruby Soho. It caused the elimination of Thunder Rosa. Ruby Soho wins the Casino Battle Royal and a future shot at the AEW Women's World Championship. I thought the stuff there at the end was great. Ruby and Thunder looked amazing together. I can't wait till we just get that singles match on Dynamite or whatever. But yeah, Ruby and AEW is going to be banger. Next up, it's, quote, the final fight. Chris Jericho versus MJF. Match went 21 minutes. Well, right, right under 21 minutes. And boy, do I have shit to say about how this match ended. Good match. But you make your opponent, your referees look stupid. And it's like, oh, we want to show that MJF could have won. But Jericho's going to win in the end. And we'll get to it when we get to it. So we see... The classic Chris Jericho countdown. Lights go out. Comes up on the screen. The same font and color style and everything where it would say Jericho, Y2J, you know. But it says Jericho's last match. And then we hear it. MJF's music plays. I don't know exactly MJF's music off the top of my head. MJF's music plays. He walks out. He got that crowd good. He got that crowd good. Then, you got the Fozzie guitar player on the stage. And he starts playing um, Judas on guitar. And this, whoever's working production, fucked it up. Guitar was too loud. So it was peaking. So it was like, um, it was going, you know, the guitar's all going and stuff. Ba-da-na, 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 but as it's doing banana banana, you would hear it too loud at times and it'd go banana Yeah. You'd hear like he's not hitting the wrong notes, but it the guitar was so loud that it's like vibrating the speakers to where it almost sounds like like lightning, like thunder. So it's like banana banana. 
And I'm like, oh, and it ruined the entrance because you can hear the crowd, but you can barely hear the crowd. It was supposed to be this awesome, dope entrance where it's just a guitar playing and the crowd sings the entire song. But unfortunately, unfortunately, they messed it up with the guitar being too loud. And so you couldn't really hear the crowd that well. And so by the time he stopped playing, the crowd was kind of done singing. And it was like, oh, okay. That, that really could have been a really, really dope entrance with them singing the entire song. But they just kind of messed it up a little with the audio. This match was really entertaining until the finish. It was, of course, Jericho loses. He can never wrestle again in AEW. And MJF rolls to the floor immediately, playing the mind games. Back in, they trash-talked until they traded shoulder tackles. Until a running right hand took down MJF. They traded arm drags and, and had each other scouted. They were scouting each other move for move, basically. Jericho caught a kick and tripped MJF. He put him in the, the perfect wall to Jericho position. But MJF cradled it for a two. Out on the floor, Jericho sent MJF to the barricade. They brawled in the stands where Jericho grabbed a... I don't know exactly what... It's one of those things where, like, I, I think I could be wrong. You have, like, ropes or whatever to, like, block things off. And you connect the ropes to it. And it's, like, the stand with the feet, the foot on the thing. And he grabs it and throws it at MJF. There's a springboard, a dropkick followed. Jericho went for a baseball slide, but MJF pulled the, uh, back the ring skirt and trapped Jericho, allowing MJF to attack. And there was an arm bar, arm breaker spot as well. They got a two. The one thing about fighting in the crowd, they're out there for way more than 10 seconds. And it's like, oh, when did this match become false count anywhere? No count out. Ref just didn't want to count. And I always think it's funny in AEW when the rules are not enforced. And this happened like three or four times tonight in different matches. Mostly, mostly the final, the final matches. The match, the rules are not enforced, and commentary realizes that we've probably realized it, and they have to go. You know what? The refs just giving them a little leeway, and we're glad they're giving them leeway, and not just ending the match right there because they didn't actually get back in the ring at the counter, or, or you know, that table was used. That should have been a disqualification, but the refs given leeway, and it's it's the refs' discretion. And I'm like, no, the ref is supposed to call the match as a shoot. And if there's a rule in place where count out at 10, and this happened in the fucking main event, count outs at 10, you don't just stop counting or not count at all or just talk about it in the main event. Fucking, what's his name? Paul Turner counting and just going, oh, they're not getting back in the ring yet. I got to stop. I got to slow down. Oh, my God. Anyways, MGF continued beating down Jericho, taunting along the way until Jericho countered with a suplex. A cross chop and a bulldog took down MJF. Jericho then hit an underhook backbreaker for a two. MJF reversed a whip and hit a diving stomp on Jericho's arm for a two. The beatdown continued with MJF flipping off the crowd and doing the flare strut. He guillotined Jericho over the ropes and hit a fantastic-looking heat seeker. Jericho didn't move on the floor until the official reached the nine. Barely made it back into the ring, and we're supposed to think that he was knocked out for the time. 
But commentary goes, you know, Jericho's smart there. He's taking every last second he has to get his wits about him, to regain his composure for jumping back in the ring before he gets counted out. And this one, this was fine. Ref didn't slow the countdown. Ref didn't fake the count or anything. Counted normal. But I don't have anything, anything bad here. MJF went for an acai moonsault, but Jericho avoided it and powerbombed MJF onto the corner of the ring. Back in the ring, they traded right hands, and Jericho climbed the ropes, but was met with a code breaker from MJF for a two. Both men took a long time to recover here, but Jericho immediately went for the walls and hit a lion salt for a two. Jericho then hit repeated clotheslines in the corner. He then punched, he then climbed up the ropes and punched MJF. He tried to follow this up with the top rope Hurricane Rana, but MJF countered to a powerbomb for two of his own. He then bit, I said the word right, bit Jericho's face and perched him up top. Jericho fought off and pushed MJF to the mat. This allowed Jericho to get a diving code breaker for a very great close near fall. Wardlow would run out and was immediately stopped by Jake Hager. So when I said the whole, hey, where's the inner circle been? They're finally back tonight. Jake Hager and Wardlow brawl, brawling on the ramp. MJ used the Floyd bat as the referee was distracted. He hit a Judas effect. And we thought it was for the win. Referee Aubrey Edwards. Now, this is where I get pissed. Referee Aubrey Edwards is counting the pin. One. Two. Jericho's foot's on the ropes. Three. She does her whole, call it. MJF wins. They play MJF's music. You know, MJF's music plays. She declares him the winner. But then a ref comes down and goes, no, you messed up. He's not the winner. Look, Jericho's foot. Jericho's foot was on the ropes before you got to a three and this and that. And I go, okay, and? And? And she's like, oh, um, hold on. Justin, come here. And so you got Paul Turner out there. I think it's who it was. You got Aubrey Edwards and they're like, and he says, because Chris Jericho actually got his foot on the ropes before the three. Referee Aubrey Edwards has informed me that this match will continue. And I go, no! Are you fucking kidding me? The referee's decision is final no matter what. If the ref fucks up, oh well. Here's the thing they could have done. They could have done the whole thing where it's like, you know what? MJF technically won this match. Aubrey counted the three for MJF. Yes, Jericho got his foot up there. He can complain, piss, bitch, and moan all he wants. He should have not lost right there. So he, he does this whole thing. He goes, you know what? The referee's decision is final. She didn't see it. Aubrey called it. Said, I lost. I'll do the whole I'm retired gimmick. But if at any time Jericho wants to come back, he can go, you know, Max... You didn't really beat me. Maybe in six months or whatever. He says, give me one more chance. Give me one more shot to earn my career back. Because if you think about it, Max, you didn't really beat me at all out. I stood behind the referee's decision. And I stood behind our stipulation for all this time. But now, I think I deserve one more shot for my career. 
and they can do that. Not immediately, not in three months, four months, maybe six months to a year down the road, give Jericho some time off to just do whatever he wants and not have to wrestle for a while. But to come down and tell the referee, you fucked up. It's like, okay, but the referee's decision is final. It doesn't matter what you say or what you do. It's, but we're supposed to believe that whatever the ref calls is what happens, not another ref can come down and just be like, no, I didn't like that. Uh-uh, you didn't see that, you didn't this, da da da, da. Don't, just keep going. I, I, I don't like that. It makes your referees look stupid. It's like, oh, so he's going to overthrow her decision? So why should we care about her decisions going forward if we know now, or any referee's decisions, if we know now, oh, yeah, um, someone else does come out and go, you messed up, so, yeah. No, there should be mess-ups like this, or mess-ups, where the ref calls it. It's not right because he got his foot on the ropes, but oh, well, she didn't see it. How many times in wrestling have we had that finish where, oh, he got his foot on the ropes, but the referee never saw it? The referee never saw it, so that was the finish. Or he got his foot on the ropes, supposed to break the hold, but he ended up tapping out because the ref didn't see it. That's the finish. But to have someone come down and say, you messed up, keep the match going, mm -mm. I I didn't think that was right. I I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that one bit, the way that this match went, because it basically told us MJF, Technically won this match, but we're going to keep him looking strong, giving him the the win. But Jericho has to win in the end. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. So MJF's music plays. Like I said, they restart the match. He's all pissed off. Jericho's still laying there with his foot on the ropes, and Jericho just rolls him up and gets a close near fall. MJF then turned this roll up into a salt of the earth. Jericho rolls MJF up. Turns it into a walls. Jericho, after a long fight, Jericho sat deep in the walls, and MJF taps out. This wasn't it. This wasn't it. Because to me, once they did the whole, the ref was wrong, restart the match, it just fell flat. Jericho was out there with the inner circle. They celebrated, and Jericho gets to keep wrestling. I really wish that that would have been the finish, and then they could have played off of that down the road, where, you know what, Max? Technically, you won, but technically, you also didn't. Next up, it was the highly anticipated, most talked about rematch, not rematch, return, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Even though, even though, just one week ago, we actually saw CM Punk in the ring. Wrestling. It was Ricky Rabies against Jack Spade. For the DWL, the Duffy Wrestling League. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the greatest show on TV right now. Well, one of Heels on the Stars. That show is phenomenal. CM Punk was on last week's episode. Got to watch tonight's episode now. But CM Punk was on last week's episode. He played a character named Ricky Rabies. He wrestled Jack Spade, the character of Stephen Amell. Technically, we've seen Punk wrestling over the last seven years and it was just one week ago but of course that's a television show we don't know how many times they said cut and then action and stopped the match started the match and started the match they didn't do a lot of stuff they did some stuff but they didn't do too much but yeah heels if you ain't watching heels go watch heels it's a great show 
I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there was an episode so far that had literally no wrestling in it, and it was still great. Literally no wrestling in one of the episodes, and it was still great. And I actually loved that they did that because this is a show that wrestling fans will love, but non-wrestling fans can love as well. And having episodes where there's just no wrestling, it's just character progression and story, is great. 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 But also was great for what it was supposed to be. Now, no one's going to go out there and say, Darby and, and CM Punk had a five-star match, or Darby and Punk had a four-and-a-half-star match, or Darby and Punk had a four-star match. I'll give this three-and-a-half, three-three-quarters best. But for what this was supposed to be, CM Punk versus Darby Allen and CM Punk's first full real match in seven years, I thought these these two couldn't have done much better. I thought this was great for exactly what it was supposed to be. Darby comes down, got a banger skateboard, got a skull on one side of the on the bottom and Punk's face on the other. I'm like, where do I buy that board now? Anyways, he's got this skateboard, comes down to the ring, and he sits in the corner. Punk makes his way out. The crowd starts chanting, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. CM Punk, CM Punk. And they're doing the whole thing. And Darby's just sitting in the corner. So Punk goes, all right, I'm going to sit too. So he sits there, cross-legged, waiting for Darby. He's like, I got all the time in the world. Darby finally stands up. Punk finally stands up. Back themselves up into their corners. Punk says, yes, I'm good. I'm ready to go. He tells the referee. The referee asks him, are you ready? He says, yes. You see right on, you see, you can read his lips. He says, yes, I'm ready to go. The ref, ding, ding, rings the bell. They lock up. Allen landed an arm drag, and Punk came back with the shoulder tackle as the crowd does another welcome home chant. They had a technical exchange until Punk landed a scoop slam. Things started off slow here. Punk, it felt like Punk told Darby probably in the back, let me get my wits about me. Let me feel it out. And then when I'm ready, I'm going to tell you to go, and we're going to go. And that's exactly what happened. He ran the ropes until Punk caught Allen in a firearm, a fireman's carry position, forcing Allen to escape before getting maybe hit with the GTS. Back inside, Allen hit a step-up arm drag, or uh, arm drag, and a coffin splash in the corner. Remember, also Sting did not come down. He came out with Darby, but did not come down. He didn't want anything to to be like, oh, you know, oh, I fucked up this match, or this and that, or yeah, I got I caused an interference or a distraction. No, it was just straight up, no Sting, Darby Punk. Punk reversed a hammer throw and sent Allen hard into the ring post through the ropes. Punk used that as an opening to target Allen's midsection with knees. Allen got some space, but Punk turned a running running attack into a backbreaker and slowed down the pace. There was an over-the-top stunner from Allen that allowed him to start making a comeback. He hit a coffin splash and a La Mystical. A La, 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 La Magistral Cradle for a two. He followed this up with another cradle for another two. Allen landed a couple slaps and a code red for another near fall. And this is when the rat, this is when they really started ramping up. You can tell Punk is getting in a little groove. Also, what the hell, Punk? Why are you wearing tights and not shorts or not trunks? Why was Punk wearing wearing tights? I've never seen Punk wear tights before. It's always been trunks or the basketball shorts. What the hell? Something we're gonna have to get used to. Punk in long tights. Anyways. Allen climbs the ropes, and Punk's popped up and shoved him down. Punk went for a top rope back suplex, but Allen turned it into a crossbody for a near fall. 
Cradle Exchange ended up with Punk in a perfect position for a GTS, and he hit it. But the impact sent Allen all the way out to the floor. Punk waited and let the referee do his count so he can get his he can catch his breath. And Darby sat there till nine and then jumped back into the ring. Ref at one point slowed the countdown a little bit, but yeah, whatever. Punk hit the corner knee and a short arm clothesline before calling for a GTS one more time. And at one point, the crowd starts going, CM Punk, CM Punk. And he goes, "Uh, that was weird. Very weird. Where they start chanting CM Punk, and he's like, and I'm like, and they kind of like, CM Punk, CM Punk. And I'm like, why did you just tell him to stop chanting? That's very weird. He just told him to stop chanting his name. I don't don't get that part. But he picks up Allen, but Allen fought out with repeated elbows. Punk falls to the mat face first, and he keeps on with the elbows. Darby, that is, elbow after elbow. He pulls the arm up so he can hit the elbow right in the right in the neck, back of the neck right here. Boom after boom after boom after boom. Allen then crushes with uh, crushes him with his two-pace to a seat after Punk rolls to the floor. Allen then hit a flipping senton off the top rope all the way to the floor below. Allen and then rolled Punk into the ring and taunted him. But Punk sat up to avoid a coffin drop. Basically laid there long enough and sees that Darby's coming, so he sits up. Darby misses the coffin drop. Allen rolled Punk up for two. They applied the he applied the last supper cradle. Punk kicks out. Punk then pops up and hits a single leg drop kick. Looked great. Great snap, great extension on it. Allen then hopped on Punk's shoulders. Punk readjusted himself because Allen jumped up in like a, a electric chair drop position. Punk readjusts. Pops Darby, boom, right down. GTS, Darby's dead. One, two, three. CM Punk picks up the victory. This match was exactly, exactly what it needed to be. And it was great for what it needed to be. Again, it ain't going to be no four or five star match. No. No one's going to go out there. Maybe because of the crowd and all that. Maybe UC Meltzer give it a four star. I don't think it's worth more than three and three quarter, three and a half. But. Hey, I thought it was good, especially for what it was supposed to be. After the match, Sting comes out, shakes the hand of CM Punk. They try to help Darby up, and Darby's like, I got it, I got it, I got to help myself up. He helps himself up. They all kind of embrace, and there we go. Then next up, the buffer match between that and the main event. Some may say this is what killed the crowd. Some may say maybe it's because the main event was a rematch. But it was Paul White against QT Marshall. Match went about three minutes, and there was a lot of outside interference. White dispatched the factory members, Aaron Solo and Nick Camarado, early before the match even started. He had repeated overhead flying, uh, frying pan chops. QT fought out and threw a low drop kick to take the big man down. But White quickly sent QT out of the ring. QT went for a running diamond cutter, but White just pushed him off and hit a massive back body drop. Aaron Solo tried to jump up on the apron, and he was dispatched with the chop. White... Then it took out Camarado with a running crossbody, choke slam QT, and picked up the victory again. The match went three minutes. Three minutes. They let us know that this coming Wednesday is Minoru Suzuki versus John Moxley. And we go into our main event. Well, actually, it's John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki, Malachi Black versus Dustin Rhodes, and Ruby Soho's first dynamite appearance. Then we go to our main event. It's Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Championship against Christian Cage. 
And both men come down. They get good reactions. Referee, you know, this match is scheduled for one fall. And it's for the AEW World Championship. Your, cha- your, you know, your challenger, the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, Christian Cage. Kenny Omega, he does the whole North Carolina because he thinks he's Michael Jordan. And the crowd kind of, yeah. And the match starts and it's just, oh. And I go, whoa. Whoa, this crowd just went. Pick. Mute button. Brief kinds of, ah, hee, ooh. But never, never do we get that big, ah, whoa, yeah. It was just brief here and there. Ooh, ah, whoa. Like, oh my goodness. And the match itself wasn't even as good as the Rampage match. The Rampage match was a four and a half star match. I thought they were going to come out here and kill it with the five-star match. I'll maybe give this a four. You know what? I would give this a four. I would give this a four-star. But I would not give it four and a half or better, which is what their last match was, four and a half. So, Christian avoided a V-trigger early on, right as the bell rang. He went for a kill switch. They're like, oh my God, he's going to try and win it early. That's how he won last time. But Omega fought out. Peppered each other for a little bit with right hand shots until a hurricane Rana sent Christian to the floor. Where? He sent Omega into the barricade. Christian then landed a top rope sledge all the way to the floor. Omega regained control and pulled the table out from under the ring. He draped it over Christian and landed a running double stomp through the table onto his opponent. Callus set up another table, but Christian countered. And the suplex ended up with Omega getting suplexed on the ramp. And I go, okay. Don hasn't touched him. Whatever, ref. But they're doing this whole thing where they're teasing suplexes through the table. And the ref's counting four, five. Guys need to get back in the ring. You guys really need to get back in the ring. And then he comes out of the ring. And he gives over to the guys. And says, you guys really need to get back in the ring. This match needs to be in the ring. You know, you guys really need to fight in the ring. And he gets back into the ring. And he's like, come on, guys. And they finally get in the ring. I'm like, your ref looks dumb. Like, he doesn't want to count them out, but they won't get back in the fucking ring. Like, they got to hit their spots. And the ref's gone trying to do his count. He's trying to not look dumb, but he's looking dumb because he gets to five, and he never gets to six, and he should have got seven, eight, nine, should have got fucking ten. Anyways. Anyways. Where was I? Back in the ring, Christian landed in some chops, laid in some chops, Omega raked Christian's eyes and hit a basketball dunk bulldog for a two. He continued to beat Christian down with a corner attack and a back suplex for a two. Omega perched Christian on the top rope where Christian tried to fight back, but Omega pushed Christian all the way to the floor. Out on the floor, Omega slipped on a moonsault attempt off the barricade, but quickly readjusted and hit one. They moved back into the ring where Christian fought back with right hands, and Omega whipped him into the corner hard, hit a Yushigoroshi, and followed up with a two. At one point, they were fighting at ringside, and Omega goes to do, like, a springboard off of the barricade. So he jumps up, and goes to land right on top of the barricade, slips, falls right on his ass. This could have been bad. Kind of looks around, laughs, and then readjusts and does it. Whatever. He hits a moonsault. Off the barricade to Christian on the floor. 
He'll get back into the ring. Omega climbs the ropes, but Christian popped up and knocked him down. Christian did a top rope Hurricane Rana to take down Omega on the, uh, down to the mat and start his comeback. He traded right hands where Omega had the power advantage. Where Christian avoided a corner elbow and went for the 10 punches. Omega put Christian in an electric chair, but Christian fought out and landed 10 more punches. Well, not 10, but a number of more punches. He choked Omega over the second rope and hit a drop down right hand. They both countered each other's big moves. Christian then fought out of a you can't escape and hit his signature reverse DDT for a near fall. Omega came back with the right hand and went for a power bomb, eventually settling or settling to drive Christian into the corner. Christian reversed the corner attack by hitting a tornado DDT. Omega hit some elbow strikes and a lariat to the back of Christian's head. Tried to go for a V trigger, but Christian flipped out, uh, flipped him off, and Omega. Killed him with yet another Snapdragon and a V-Trigger. Tension then turned to the table on the outside. Omega tried to German suplex Christian into it, but Christian wouldn't let go of the ropes. Basically, the Omega Ishii spot from a few years ago. He then went for a Dragon suplex, but Christian fought out. Christian went for a kill switch, and Omega turned into an electric chair. Christian escaped a one-winged angel attempt and snapped Omega over the top rope and speared him to the floor through the table. Back inside the ring. And this didn't even get a pop from the crowd. It was more like a, oh. Didn't even get a big pop from the crowd. Speared through the table. Back in the ring. Christian spears the back, or the spine, as they said, of Kenny Omega. And they're going. He tries to go for the kill switch again. And they start fighting in the corner. And they start fighting on the top rope. And it looks like he's going to go for an avalanche kill switch. But Omega fights out of that. Puts Christian on his on his shoulders. It's an avalanche off the second rope, one-winged angel, and pins Christian Cage to retain the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And I forgot to mention, Good Brothers were called down at one point as well, and he fought off the Good Brothers and this and that, and they didn't call anything. The ref's just, like, watching it. He tries to distract the referee. Don, that is. Again, refs look fucking dumb. But regardless, Omega hits the one-winged angel off the middle ropes. And the Bucks come out to celebrate. Then, they start attacking Christian. So, Jurassic Express come out to make the save. As the crowd finally starts chanting something. And they start chanting, yes, 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 yes. Omega grabs the mic and said, nobody is on my level. There's nobody here that can beat me. There's nobody here. There's nobody at all. What do you say? There's nobody here that can beat me. If there is. They're not here, they're retired, or they're dead. The lights go out. Crowd goes nuts. They think Brian Danielson. And all of a sudden, on the screens, if I'm dying, I'm lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It says, Adam Cole. And the crowd loses their shit. Adam Cole comes down to the ring, gets into the ring, looks straight in Omega's face and says, Adam Cole, baby! <clears throat> and of course, as they should, if you follow BTE, Omega and the Bucks look like they've seen a ghost. Cole walks over to the Bucks, looks at them, looks at Jungle Boy, wah! Knocks out Jungle Boy. He then looks at Omega and the Bucks, laying arms out, big old hug to the best friends. Bands back together. I think this is stupid. What, what, what are you thinking? Now, Adam Cole and AEW could be great. 
But I fear, I fear this becomes Gallows and Anderson 3.0. Or the third, the third extra guy. Because Gallows and Anderson in the elite, they're the extra. They're the backup. I just hope that doesn't happen to Adam Cole. I just hope that doesn't happen to, in my opinion, one of, if not the best professional wrestler in the world right now. Trust me, I'm cold better than Kenny Omega. Better than Kenny Omega. And I just hope with him now being in the elite, he doesn't become just the guy that's there to help Kenny. The extra guy in the group. And so... He knocks out, um, what is it? He knocks out Jungle Boy. They all hug and everything. He grabs the mic and he's like, guys, ready for a little story time with Adam Cole? And he doesn't give a story or anything. Omega then goes, you know, this is crazy. This is wild. But I'll do what you guys want. I'll end it how you want. I'll bid you adieu. He said, good night or goodbye and good night. And as he does, we hear, vroom. Not final countdown like everybody else thought. I was the one that tweeted out, you know, WWE doesn't own Flight of the Valkyrie. Anybody can use Flight of the Valkyrie. Brian might be using Flight of the Valkyrie because I was tipped off about this. I sent that tweet out because I knew and everyone's coming at me. I got messages and stuff. They're going to use final countdown. That's WWE theme. He's not going to use that. Oh, what did he use? A modified version of Flight of the Valkyries, motherfuckers. Modified version of Flight of the Valkyries. Everyone coming at me. It's got to be Final Countdown. You have people during this show tweeting out the lyrics to Final Countdown during that main event and stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not Final Countdown. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted this for a reason. Because I was tipped off and told that he's using at least part of that WWE theme because it is a song that is a real song, Flight of the Valkyries, that anybody can use. Now, the second part of his theme, I didn't really catch too much, but it's not just Flight of the Valkyries. WWE basically just used Flight of the Valkyries with a little, like, like reverb and guitar in here and there. But this is awesome. Plays, crowd goes wild. Comes out, makes a save for Christian and Jurassic Express, leads to an all-out brawl. Four on four. I don't know where the good brothers went. They just fuck appeared. But it's four on four. The baby faces clear the house. Brian lifts up the arms of the baby faces. Crowd cheers wildly. We've got Luchasaurus. We've got Jungle Boy. We've got Daniel Bryan. We've got Christian Cage. Camera shifts over. Cuts to the stage where you've got the heels. Jaw jacking. Pissed off. It's Dawn. Kenny. The Bucks. Adam Cole. They're all pissed off. They're, ah, they're going nuts. They're pissed off. This eight-man tag can't come any sooner. This is going to be fun. Real fun. I really like this. I think we're going to get it. Jurassic Express, Christian, and Danielson against the Elite. Omega, Cole, and the Bucks. But with that, that was AEW All Out. Yes, that was AEW All Out. Overall, a very good show. A very entertaining show. No show could be 100% perfect. That show was really, 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 really good. You know what I think? Now, it's time to hear what you guys think. If you guys do want to let me know what you thought, you can either text or call 510-906-1341. Again, that number is 510-906-1341. Before we get to that, we're going to check the polls as far as the 
which poll goes. 90% of you liked tonight's show with 10% saying it was just all right. As far as YouTube poll does go, 88% of you liked tonight's all-out pay-per-view. 7% thought it was all right. And actually, 6% of you did not like the show. 6% did not like the show. Hey, each their own. But with that, if you want to call or text in, you can do so at 510-906-1341. Again, that number is 510-906-1341. Do have some text messages here. Umber says, what are your thoughts on the Lucha Brothers becoming new AEW World Tag Team Champions? Love it. I think it was the right move to do. It's what I predicted. Umber says, do you think in three to five years from now, we will see Adam Cole back in WWE? Can't say. I honestly can't say because... I was getting mixed things over the last couple of days that he may have been staying in WWE, so I don't know. Says, oh my God, what an amazing all-out. This roster looks stacked. Pull this over here really fast. This roster looks stacked. Oh, I just lost a text message. Do you think Bray Wyatt is going to be the next AEW? No clue, because I haven't heard anything about it. But we've got a call, so let's take it here. Caller, you're on the air. What do you think of all-out? Um, I'm not hearing anything. I don't know if it's on my end or yours. Give me one second to check something. But I do not hear the caller. I don't know if the caller is trying to talk. If you are trying to talk, caller, give me one brief second. And I will try to fix this really quick. All right, let's see if that works. I don't know. If you want to try calling again, you can do so. Some reason it didn't work. I didn't hear it, and it didn't register any audio. Oh, we hear the call now. Oh, and it didn't go. Try one more time, caller. I, I really do. Here we go. Caller, you're on the air. What'd you think of all out? Yes. My 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 thing is. Omega's a great wrestler, but they need to get that belt off him. He needs to be off TV for a while. He's been shoved down our throats too much. Okay, I can see that. And this whole elite thing they're doing, because the Bucks, they're a great team, but all their spot wrestling, like, you don't like, mm -hmm. that, needs to be, that needs to be off TV for a while, because that bores the shit out of a bunch of people. I don't know if I would say a bunch of people because I don't. I mean, hmm. I mean, you're 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 entitled to your own opinion. I will say that for sure. But saying a bunch of people, I mean, a lot of people like the Young Bucks matches and the way that they're structured. I'll just say that the majority like it. Majority the, like it. The 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 structure's fine, but all the all the big spots. But that's what I mean by the structure. I think when, that's what they were used to in Japan, because that's how Japan wrestling is structured. Mm -hmm. But I'm used to the old school so you want American them to, stuff. So you want them to wrestle like it's a WWE match? No. But that's basically I, what you're saying because that's basically what you're saying because if you've if you've ever watched PWG Young Buck, pardon? The, like the 
National Wrestling Alliance style matches. So where they still have you want them to not do a, so you want them to not do any of their stuff. No flips, no super kicks, no none of that. The super kicks overused in wrestling today. Well, that's a hundred percent true. The super kicks the new and, DDT. And uh, the 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 flips are becoming too generic. I mean, yeah, you're entitled to your own opinion, but people love it. I want to say thank you for the call and have a great night. I mean, people love what the Young Bucks do. People think the Young Bucks have some of the best high-intensity matches around. But to say that they can't be doing flips anymore, it's like, what are you going to tell Ray Phoenix not to do a flip? You're going to tell Rey Mysterio and Dominic not to dive out of the ropes? Like, it, not trying to bury the collar or anything, but it's just like, to say that they need to wrestle like the NWA? Ah. Uh, I don't know about that one. I just don't know about that at all. And they need to have low methodical plotting matches. No. Collar, you're on the air. What did you think of tonight's all-out pay-per-view? And not taking that collar anymore. Go to the text messages here. This person says, I've got a question. If one, AEW, if one AEW superstar left to go to WWE, who do you think and why? That's a tough one. Now, I didn't mention it in the review, but they did state Scorpio Sky signed a new five-year deal. That's interesting. Scorpio Sky signed a new five-year deal. As far as who could leave AEW for WWE, I know before AEW was a thing, Triple H really wanted Hangman. I'm not saying he's going to leave and go to WWE, but there's a Triple H really wanted Hangman. I'll just say that. Going to the next text message here. Um, this person says, "Do you see Adam Cole or CM Punk anytime soon? I think that would be a great match." Or Daniel, uh, Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson. This person, this person literally wrote. Daniel Bryanson. It's Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara. Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara would be cool. Not anytime soon because it doesn't fit into what he did tonight. Let's take another call. Caller on the air. What did you think of tonight's All Out? So I really thought All Out was like pretty good. I really enjoyed the tag team match. And I really enjoyed the CM Punk match. And I also, pretty, uh, I also enjoyed... The Paul White match, I thought that was pretty good for his debut match. And then I also enjoyed the main event. And just one more thing before uh, before I have to go. Sure. So I was streaming. Uh, so first, when All Out started, I was streaming on Bleacher Report. And that stream, it was terrible. So I got like really mad that like I couldn't even watch the pay-per-view. So I contacted Bleacher Report, and they gave me a refund. And so I switched over to Fight TV. Awesome. And I was able to finish the pay-per-view without any problems. So nice. That, that is great I, to hear that they gave you a refund, like, immediately. Yes. And I'm so thankful that, like, I did that. And Fight TV was so much better than Bleacher Report. I've 
I was like looking online. I'm like, am I the only one like getting this issue with Bleacher Report? And then yeah, I looked online. I'm like, other people are getting these issues. So I contacted uh, right. Bleacher Report, and they gave me a refund. Yeah, most people were watching on the Fight app that I that I was able to notice, but. I mean, it's still there on Bleach Report, so why not try it if, you, if you've got it there? But it's great to hear that you were able to watch the show through Fight after they gave you an immediate refund. Yep. All right, well, thanks for the call, and have a and great night. Thank you for taking my call. Anytime. Thank you. All right, go to the more text messages here. First, it says, who do you think CM Punk wrestles next? That's a great question. That is a great question. Who do I think CM Punk wrestles next? Daniel Garcia. Boom. They've been teasing it. They've been teasing it. It's either Daniel Garcia or he teams with Darby against 2.0. Boom. There we go. Chris says, I'm sorry, but Brian debut was not that special. Not even a top five debut ever. Huh? In, in top five in AEW? Top five in all of professional wrestling? I can see if you would want, you would put it not top five in all of wrestling debuts. But it's top five AW debut of all time. That's for sure. Versus, well, WWE 2K22 got to be so outdated. What does that have to do with anything? I don't understand that one at all. Um, Take this call here. Colin, you're on the air. What did you think of All Out? Personally, I did not like Brian Danielson's debut tonight. I just... I thought it was a tad annoying, you know. I just didn't like it. Knowing in which way? I feel like they could have brought him in and used him a little bit different for maybe somebody else. I didn't think they should have brought him in and used him with the Kenny Omega. Maybe even have Adam Cole come and maybe him be the one to feud with Kenny Omega next, not Brian Danielson. But they can't bring, bring... him into that thing. I get what you're saying, but I mean, if Adam Cole is supposed to be positioned as a heel, if Adam Cole is supposed to be positioned in the elite, can't debut him against Omega. I mean, it makes sense for him to be with the elite. I think in the long term, he's going to turn on the elite because they kind of oh, yeah. turned on him on BTE. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But with that, I want to say thanks for the call and have a great night. You too. All right, got a couple more text messages. Remember, if you want to call in and give me your thoughts on All Out, you can do so at 510-906-1341. Says, what's your favorite match of the night? Tag match. Well, there's multiple tag matches. Tag title match. Steel cage match. I thought that was the best match of the night. WWE says, how do you think WWE matches tonight? They don't need to match tonight. They just need to go and do what they're going to do. They've got Brock back. They've still got Goldberg around, kind of. I'm not saying that those two are going to move the needle. Brock's going to move the needle. Goldberg, yeah, whatever. But they're bringing back the Demon. I want to. I'm very interested to see how that goes because it's going to be Demon. And Roman at, at Extreme Rules. So, we'll see. Um, this next text message says, I have another question. Is AEW becoming WWE 2.0? That's a loaded question. Because I get where you're coming from. They're bringing in too many former WWE guys. But when you really look at it, they're bringing in now guys like Malachi Black, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, who were all big name stars 
before they even got to WWE. Yes, their star rose in WWE. They became more popular in WWE. Throw CM Punk in there as well. They became more popular in WWE. They became big stars in WWE. But they were all some of the biggest names out of WWE before they went to WWE. So those going to AEW, it just it does make sense. It works. It's not that they're just poaching WWE. Now, when you bring guys in like Miro, you got Cody, you've got, you know, all these different guys that are straight from WWE, that's different. But guys that made their name before they were even in WWE and that were at the top of, hey, you know, Brian Danielson was probably the most popular wrestler not in WWE before he signed. CM Punk was probably one of, if not the most popular wrestler not in WWE in the United States before he signed. Adam Cole was right up there as well. So Adam Cole fits in fine because he's with these guys. He's been with these guys. He was part of these guys. So I get where you're coming from, but some of the guys they've been getting, like I said, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole. And who's the other one I just mentioned? There's four I just mentioned. I can't remember the other one now. They all, they're, they're fine. Oh, Malachi Black. Well, let's take this call. Call you're on the air. What'd you think of all out? I, <clears throat> I give it nine out of a 10. Um, okay. The main event, the, after the match, it was just epic. It couldn't have been done any other way. Agree. Because like, I would like to see Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega at full gear for the next pay-per-view. I think that would be a really good match for Bryan. Yes. I totally agree. And honestly, if it was me, I would have Bryan maybe wrestle two matches. Just to like build yeah. two Omega. But yeah. I wouldn't have him wrestle too much for that pay-per-view. So they keep his big match with Omega special. Because what I've said about AEW is you've kind of do too much on the weekly shows to where when you do stuff on pay-per-view, it's not always special. So I think they need to limit him. Maybe have him like, yeah. Maybe limit him like so that way. On Rampage yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Limit him so that way when he does wrestle in the pay-per-view, it's like, holy crap, this is going to be big. Maybe have like a big match at like at the New York show or something. Right. Maybe that's like where they do the eight-man tag. That, that would, would be, an, be I actually didn't, I didn't think about that. That would be a good idea for yeah. the eight-man tag. Definitely. Or the Florida show that they have coming up soon or, or something. Mm, yeah. That'd be a tough one because it's a, a Saturday night dynamite, and I wouldn't put a big match yeah. like that on a Saturday night when you know the rating's going to be down. Yeah. But, but with anyway, that, uh, thank you. Yeah, and thanks for the call, night. and have a great night. All right, I got a couple more text messages to get through here. If anyone else does want to call in, I will take those final calls. First says, do you think it's going to be Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega at full gear? No. Like I just talked with the other caller, it's probably going to be Brian Danielson. And last person says, about WWE 2K22, they're probably saying because all the wrestlers leaving, that, that, that doesn't matter. That, it doesn't mean they're outdated. If they're not in the company, they're just not going to put them in the game. Like, usually, you get guys that get cut, and they don't get put in the new game. So, all good. They got until March to pull them out of the game if they're engraved in the game. If there's something that's, like, really, really big, there's, like, you have to keep them in, you keep them in. But not, I doubt there's really anything with anybody that's left and gone to AEW that you have to keep in the game. Then they've got till March. This game don't come out till March. Lately, that's, like, 
February to finalize everything. But with that, those are all our text messages. I want to say thank you guys for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and Twitter.com forward slash PW Unlimited. We'll be live again tomorrow night talking about Monday Night Raw. But with that, guys, have a great night. AEW killed it tonight with All Out for the most part. I'll see you guys next time when we talk about Monday Night Raw tomorrow night, which actually already has five matches announced. Shocker. But have a good one, guys.